Welcome to the Youth Ministry United podcast, where our goal is to equip you, encourage you, and empower you to do all that God has called you to do in your youth ministry. So, without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. All right, what's up? Welcome to episode 46 of Youth Ministry United. I'm the pod father coming at you today. Uh, I don't have any other uh, any other YM United members with me, so uh, our intro is going to be really short today. I've got a very special guest with us today. Third time on the podcast, I believe. Shane Pruitt, what's up? What's up, Matt? Dude, thanks for having me on. I think it is my third time, man. So I'm feeling like an old, like Wiley veteran on here, man. That's so right. Thanks for having me on, dude. That's yeah. right. Uh, all of our guests get a nickname now, Shane, by the way by the end of the podcast. So I'll it. try to be thinking about a nickname for you. Uh, I'm so excited man. By, by the end. And then also, I don't think you've been on since we've started asking this icebreaker question. So oh, I'm going to ask this icebreaker to you because it's our favorite icebreaker. All right. We just kind of adopted it. Uh, so if you were staring any mammal face to face, okay. <laughs> and this mammal's just staring you in the face, can't run away, can't move. It's just, you're right there face to face with it. What mammal could you knock out with one punch? Oh man, dude, one pu- dude. Okay. Here, here's what I think. All right. Education for me is an ostrich, a mammal. <laughs> I'm, I'm legitimately like, asking that question. That's, <laughs> I that's a good I, question. I probably sound like a moron. <laughs> I'm legitimately asking that question. It's not a trick question. I'll, yeah. I'll look it up for you real quick. If it, if it is, or if it is like, dude, an ostrich, okay, this is weird, right? An ostrich does not look scary to me, like from the profile angle. But the moment that sucker t- turns his head and is straight eye to eye, dude, those are the creepiest animals on the planet, man. You yeah. know, and that neck, and they, dude, and they'll straight up chase you. They'll come after you. So, man, yeah, I yeah, think bird, just birds because- are birds are mammals. Gosh, I guess dude, it's dude, not a mammal. I, I just sound like but we'll one. go. Hey, we'll go with it. Yeah. Dude, I, I rarely tell people this. I have a PhD, and I just and I didn't realize ostriches were mammals. Dude, I am the quintessential moron. Uh, there you go. But <laughs> if I could have grace on this one, dude, I think an ostrich just freaks me out so much that this like yes. ball of energy comes up that I think I can lay that sucker out with one punch. I really do, dude. Like I would send that long net straight backwards and knock it out with one punch. Yeah. <laughs> that's impressive and, and i didn't know ostriches were mammals oh that's my great God. or it wasn't mammals think, good lord forgive me for i know not what i do <laughs> <laughs> i think that might be my favorite answer behind sperm whale <laughs> oh, that, man. i think that was our favorite that <laughs> yeah. was uh yeah, yeah that was cool carl from sunday cool oh dude well hey yeah i mean it's hard to compute well, cool, Carl. Anyway, but yeah, I think I would just, even if sperm well was in my head, I'd be like, oh, I just don't want to say sperm well. So yeah, I would go a different <laughs> direction. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm happy to hear that answer of ostrich, yeah. even though it's not a mammal. It's okay. <laughs> no, it's not a mammal. And, and I'm a grown man with the <laughs> college degrees, like with an S, college degrees. That's right. <laughs> and I thought an ostrich was a mammal. Lord, forgive me. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's okay. Um, so Shane, we, we always start off, uh, by asking our guests this question. Um, uh, could you just share a little bit about 
who you are, where you're from, what do you do, all that good stuff. I know you've been on a couple of times, but uh, yeah. a, a refresher for our old listeners and some yeah. insight into who you are for our new listeners. Yeah, sure. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Yeah, I serve as uh, the title is really long. All right, so I serve as the National Next Gen uh, Director for the North American Mission Board, which the North American Mission Board basically is the national entity for the Southern Baptist Convention. So you think of uh, reaching the fifty states uh that's the north american mission board's task um and so man we work with forty-seven thousand churches uh across the nation and a lot of state convention partners local associations so my role big picture ten thousand foot um is man i lead a team and uh we're building a team and ministry that really uh i'm constantly uh speaking preaching traveling across the nation i love that uh preaching speaking in front of the next generation when we say next generation we're we're talking young adults college students high school students junior high students we'll probably at some point bring someone on the team for children's ministry but uh we're constantly in front of the next generation and then through that that gives us firsthand knowledge and experience to be able to to partner with churches and denominations to help them reach the next generation. Really, our big focus right now is Gen Z, uh, those that are in college, high school, junior high, older, preteen. Um, and so, man, it's awesome, dude. I love it. Get to build a team from the ground up. Uh, that's a brand. The next gen team's a brand new team uh, on that national level uh, with um, the North American Mission Board. So, yeah, I've been doing it a year, building a team, and man, constantly get to be in front of Gen Z and then help others think about reaching Generation Z with the gospel and mobilizing them with the gospel to go reach their peers with the gospel. So that's 10,000 foot view. There's a lot under that, but that's the big view of it. And so love it. Uh, Married man, that's my primary ministry is uh, my family. Mary got a wonderful wife named Casey. We've been married 16 years. Uh, She's on staff at our home church. Um, And then we have six kids, man, that are 14 and under. So obviously that is a prayer request right there, brother. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. so, so Shane, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Uh, you wrote a pretty, pretty timely article, I think, about eight things to remember when engaging next gen on mental health. And uh, I think to, to kind of start off our conversation, um, what, what kind of trends have you seen kind of over the last, I don't know, let, let, let's, say, let's say the last year or so. Yeah. Like what kind of trends have you seen? Because I think COVID has really uh, accelerated some mental health issues with, with, with Gen Z. I mean, Mm -hmm. I heard of a school down here locally who over the last couple weeks has sent 20 kids uh, to specialists because of suicidal thoughts Um, because, because they feel so disconnected. Um, So like what, what kind of trends have you seen over the last year or so? As it, as it relates to mental health. Yeah, Matt. Um, man, I love that you use the word accelerated. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I love that you use that word because I think a lot of times people think uh, 2020, if you just take 2020 or COVID-19, that, that 2020 or COVID-19 created this problem that we're seeing and it did not create the problem. It just poured gasoline on the problem yeah, that was already absolutely. there. You know, so, so when you look at Generation Z, and of course we're talking about in generalities, um, Generation Z, uh, and you and I were talking about some of this before we hit record, is, man, they're, they're the smartest generation ever lived. Uh, just because they've been exposed to technology 
and uh, you know the the World Wide Web. <laughs> they're a whole life here, you know. So meaning like they're global, like they're globalists. They they know what's going on all around the world at a very early age, um, uh, and then with that smart, they also uh, are exposed to a lot of brokenness at an early age. And so, um, so Generation Z I always joke, and they'll, and they'll, when you joke with them, they're like, "That's so true." It's like Generation knows like a little bit about everything, but don't really know how to do anything. You know what I mean? Like, so like they know about everything. And dude, if your iPhone crashes, dude, they'll fix it. But then, man, if they have a flat tire, man, they're calling roadside assistance. Man, they have no idea how to change a flat right. tire. You know, um, but. So it's just different. So smartest generation ever live. Um, also the wealthiest generation ever live. And, and here's what I mean by that. Right now, as we speak, even in 2020, there are more millionaire teenagers alive today in the United States than at any point in U.S. history, primarily because of YouTube and TikTok, right? I mean, they have their own brands. Uh, you and I were just talking about even at our local high school in the suburbs of Dallas, Texas, uh, there's a sophomore that we've known since she was re- very little that has 3.5 million followers on TikTok, and she gets paid to do ads now, you know, and she's a sophomore wow. in high school. Um, and so smartest, richest, but statistically speaking, also the most depressed generation to ever live. And I think there can be some, some scriptural truths there that just show, hey, you can gain the whole world and lose your soul. Like, so they can, they're already, right. they have so much that the world has to offer and they still feel empty, numb inside. They're, they're hurting. Um, there was a statistic that came out at the end of 2019, even before all the coronavirus COVID stuff and the statistic at the end of 2019 for the fourth year in a row, remind you, this is before the pandemic, but before the, for the fourth year in a row, the average lifespan of Americans declined. It's crazy. First time in U S history with the advancements in technology and medicine for the fourth year in a row, the overall lifespans of Americans declined. And the number one reason was because of uh, drug overdose rates and suicide rates among young millennials and Gen Zers. Wow. Um, so, um, man, I don't want to in any way, please hear my heart for those who are listening. In no way will you ever hear me belittle uh, the virus pandemic or anything like that. That's very real. That's a pandemic. But one thing we also got to realize, and I've been screaming this from the rooftop, we're not just fighting one pandemic called COVID-19. Uh, we're also fighting a pandemic right now of mental health. Um, because yeah, man, it's, you just see it all the time here. I mean, probably for the last year, Matt, almost in every situation that I'm speaking at, if it's with college students or high school students, junior high students, at some point in the message, I'll just say, Hey, raise your hand. If it's either you personally, or you personally know someone that either struggles with depression, thoughts of suicide, cutting themselves, uh, severe anxiety. And every single one of them will raise their hand. And so it's wow. like, we're fighting more than one pandemic right now. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's crazy to, to think that, um, you know, our, our students are, are struggling so much with this stuff. And, and it's, it's a, it, it really is a, a pandemic as a, like, that we're yeah. facing, right? It, it, yeah. we, we are facing COVID, but there's also the mental health of, of our, of our, of our students that we are, are dealing with right now. And so yeah. I think it is a conversation that we as the church need to not shy away from. Um, I think it's our natural tendency to kind of shy away from it because it mm-hmm. is, it is a hot button topic to, to discuss, but uh, these are the lives of our students we're talking about. 
So mm-hmm. as we as we consider starting this conversation with our students or having these conversations with our students, uh, you, you wrote this article, Eight Things to Remember When Engaging the Next Gen on Mental Health. So like what, let's just kind of dive into that. Like what, yeah. what are these, walk us through what, what these eight things are that we, we should be remembering as we're engaging our students in conversation. Yeah. Great, Matt. Thanks, man. Um, and yeah, man, you know, like we said, I think it's just a reminder. And if, if anyone, you know, that's listening, if they work with college students or high school students, junior high students for any length of time, they know this is true that like, you know, like I said, COVID and the pandemic of 2020 did not create this problem. The problem was already there, but it added a lot of fuel, a lot of, I mean, it's like pumping steroids into this yeah. problem, you know? And so uh, any, even Barna research group just put out a survey that basically said, you know, at one time uh, with, with college students and high school students uh, that usually one out of five said they struggle with some form of sadness, depression, anxiety, uh, one out of five would say that. Now one out of wow. two say that. So when you think wow. of like, when you look and say, if you have a student ministry of 50, you can almost assume 25 of them in that group are struggling big time right now, you know, with anxiety wow. or depression. Uh, if you have a group of a hundred, I mean, you just keep doing that math. It's, right. it's huge. And so I, we can't ignore it. Like, I like what you said, the church has to t- take it on straight on face on, you got to punch that ostrich. You know what I mean? Like, right. You got to look it in the face and you got to punch this ostrich right in the face. All right. So we got to take it on because here's what happens. I think so many times is as the church, either, either because we feel equipped or we don't think it's the biggest problem as it is, or we don't really know like how to navigate it. Uh, we just stay silent. And here's what's, here's what's problematic about that. When the church stays silent, but culture is screaming, then that is all our students are going to hear is what culture is screaming about it when the church is being silent. And I don't know about you, man. Like, I mean, and this sounds probably like a terrible dad joke, but I'd much rather the apostle Paul guide my daughter than Billie Eilish. You know what I mean? But if we're (laughs) as the church are staying silent, then that's the only voices that they hear, you know? And so they're being discipled by culture Right. instead of being discipled by Christ, because we're staying silent. So, uh, you know, that was really the heartbeat behind this article is like, hey, we got to jump in. And I, and I will right. say this, I think the church has gotten so much better at addressing mental health than it was a decade ago or two decades ago. I think we've come a long way. I really do. I want to be positive about this. I think we've come a long way. I think we just have uh, much further to go, um, you know, because the church used to not talk about it at all or address it at all. Or if they did, they would minimize it and go, well, you just need to read your Bible more. You just need to pray more. And those things are all true. Yeah, those are all true. But, you know, we, it's, it's weird that we only say that towards mental health or emotional health. We don't say that towards like, like a physical break. You know, like, man, if, if I, like, Matt, if you break your arm and you go, bro, like, and you and I were playing basketball, you broke your arm and your bone's sticking out. I wouldn't go, dude, you know what you should do? You should go read your Bible. You know what I mean? We're going to take you to get help, you know? Right. And so I think when people are like broken for like a better term mentally and, and emotionally, like, like they need help. And yes, reading the Bible and praying and all that community is a part of that journey, but they may need a little more help. And I think it's okay to remind ourselves. I want to say this. I'm just kind of setting some baselines before we jump into this yeah. is to remind yourself of God's common grace. You know, so God mm-hmm. has that unique special grace, that saving grace. 
but God also has common grace that's available to everyone. And so like doctors and medicine and counselors and therapists are a part of God's common grace. So like if, if God uses uh, a counselor, a Christian counselor in your life, and you're finding victory of that, God still gets the glory. That doesn't rob God. He still gets the glory because that's part of God's common grace. And so I think we just need to make, tell ourselves it's okay like to like navigate some of these waters and use God's common grace that he's provided for us, you know? Um, so with that, I'm going to just dive in, you know, to some of those. And so, yeah, I think, you know, just eight things that I jotted down, Matt. Number one, uh, develop proper biblical teaching on the role of emotions and thoughts in our walk with Jesus. And so I, I always encourage, like, I think every leadership pipeline, every discipleship pipeline, maybe even once a year, we're doing something on uh, emotional and mental health. Um, and I think it's got to, we do have to teach a proper biblical theology of it because one thing that Generation Z has been told their whole life is to follow their heart, right? Uh, hey, follow your heart. Hey, honey, boo-boo child, you know what you need to do? You need to follow your heart. <laughs> And we know biblically, you know, in the Greek, the word heart comes from the word cardio, which we get the word cardiologist from. And the word cardio literally means the center of your emotions, your desires. And so when we're telling people follow their heart, we're telling them to follow their emotions or feelings, their desires. But that's not how God created us. God did not create us to follow our feelings. I don't know about you, Matt, but even as a grown man and a husband, a father, if I follow my feelings, I'm going to follow my feelings right into a ditch. You know what I mean? Right. And so right. we were not created to follow our heart. We were created to follow the one who created our heart. And our emotions uh, aren't bad in the sense of like, they are a gift given to us by God to worship him with. They were not given to us to be our dictators. Like our heart and our emotions and feelings were never given to us to be our little gods or little dictators. They were given to us to worship the king of kings with and to hurt for people so that we can love our neighbor as ourselves, like God's called us to. So I think we got to develop a good biblical teaching of what the, our emotions are in light of the gospel and why we have them and those feelings. And so, man, I think we desperately have to do that. And, and here's why, and I want to say this, uh, man, and I want to be very careful how I say this, but I, I say it in a lot of settings because I see it. Um, so Matt, how old are you real quick, Matt? 31. All right. So 31. So you're, yeah, you're, I mean, you're 10 years younger than I am. Um, but Matt, you'll probably remember this somewhat on the cusp because I feel like the older millennials and young Gen Xers really did this. Remember when we were teenagers, we all self-diagnosed ourselves with ADD or ADHD, like whether <laughs> we had it or not, we all thought we did, right? We may have never That's gone right. to a doctor. We had, may never been prescribed anything. We had never received a diagnosis, but we self-diagnosed ourselves. We'd be like, oh, my ADD is kicking in, you know, or, or yeah. I can't do that. I got ADD or, you know, and so we had all self-diagnosed ourselves. Well, here's the thing is that Gen Z is doing the exact same thing, but instead of doing it with ADD or ADHD, they're doing it with depression and anxiety. They all think they're depressed. They all think they're anxious. Now, please don't hear me belittle this at all. Some literally are and they need help. Some are extremely anxious and they need help. Some of it is being caused by things that can be changed in their life. Some of it is just they need some help to get out of that ditch or out of that rut. But there's also, let's be honest, there's also a lot of self-diagnosis happening. Because think about it. If you're 13 and all of your friends are saying they're anxious, then you're going to start thinking you're anxious, you know. Or if you're 16 and all of your friends are saying they're depressed, uh, then you're going to start thinking you're depressed. You know, there is that kind of herd mentality that takes place. So I think we just got to, we can't ignore it. And we got to like take it on head on with the Bible. Uh, um, Man, a good friend of mine, 
uh, Jason Mick, he's the lead student pastor at Prestonwood. He wouldn't mind me sharing this. He's the lead student pastor at Prestonwood, which is a massive, massive church, you know? Um, and so they just did a series, a uh, eight week series on uh, mental health for their student ministry. And their in-person attendance during that series was more this year than at the same point of a different series last year. So even wow. in the midst of a pandemic, like they grew through that series uh, more than they did last year before pandemic, mainly wow. because of the topic and teenagers flocked to that. He said he had parents going, Hey, we we'll just sit in the back and listen, but man, we got to be, we need help in this and we want to be right. equipped. And so he said, man, his parents were like, can we come? Can we be a part of this service? You know? And, and so man, like, there's a hunger there for it. So I think we got to develop that yeah. proper biblical teaching of it. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, and it, it does show you that there, there is such a hunger for uh, wanting to, um, I guess, not, not struggle with that anymore. Right. And yeah. so like for, for a bunch of students just flock towards that. That's, that's incredible, man. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, man, I think a, a second one, too, is cultivating an atmosphere in our churches and, and student ministries that makes yeah. it safe for people to share their struggles, Absolutely. To, to make it really safe. Because we sometimes, I mean, we always say, hey, we want it to be a place of authenticity and transparency. But yeah. then the moment someone is authentic and transparent, then we freak out. You know what I mean? Right. We're like, oh, I can't believe that. Or, oh, well, let's have a discussion about that, you know. And so we kind of like quash that. Or our leaders are never authentic and transparent. So, you know, it's right. just like, I always say, it's just like personal evangelism. Like if you're telling people they need to share their faith, but you as the leader aren't sharing your faith outside the walls of the church, that like the crowd is never going to do something they don't see their own leader doing, right? And so if you're saying, I want this to be a place of authenticity and transparency, then as leaders, we have to be willing to be vulnerable too. And Matt, right. Matt you said this so well before we jumped on, you're like, and don't do like general stuff of like, oh, you know, someone cut me off in traffic and right. I got a little perturbed, you know, like a right. just like, give me a break, <laughs> you know. But man, if you're up there going, man, here's where I struggled uh, in a season or whatever with anxiety. And man, this is how it's crippling me. Right. But here's how like, man, people invested in me and I found some victory. And hey, I'm still yeah. battling every day, but God has given me some grace and victory. Dude, when you get that honest, that gives everyone in your ministry permission to be honest. And right. until we're honest, we can't really address it, man, because, man, we know that often Christians, we're the best liars. You know, we're right. struggling on the inside, but we're not going to tell you that with our mouth. With our mouth, we're going to tell you, God is good all the time, all the time. Right. God is good, right? And on the inside, we're dying. So if we can create that true atmosphere where it's okay for people to be honest about their struggles, yeah. uh, we have to cultivate that. And I think as leaders, we have to set that tone and example. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I, I love how you're, you're, points two and three kind of go hand in hand uh, mm-hmm. as far as, you know, we, we have to cultivate an atmosphere where yeah. it, it makes it safe for people to share the struggles. If we're not as leaders being transparent and being vulnerable, uh, mm-hmm. then, then is it really safe for our students to be vulnerable in the, in the yep. settings? Right. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. That. Yeah. Two and three go together and you're right. Like that was number three leaders be transparent about their own struggles. And, and the reason I, I like to combine those two is like, um, I always tell leaders like, um, and, and I feel like sometimes like the lead college pastor or student pastor really understands this. It's more really for those volunteer leaders. And so if you're listening to this and you're a volunteer leader, this, this is what I always tell volunteer leaders is uh, you got to leave your uh, shocked face at home. 
So whenever you, and what I mean by that is like when you come to student ministry, whether it's at the building or in a small group, um, you know, the worships or whatever, however your student ministry is structured, whenever you leave that house to go be a part of that, engage with it, leave your shocked face at home. Meaning this, like you may hear some of the craziest things. And if you have this shocked face or this horrified response, then that's going to immediately shut that student down or they'll never share again because they don't in their mind. They're like, man, this person now thinks I'm gross, evil or disgusting. Or now this person like I can't they don't they can't engage with me. You know, I think if they're shocked and we're like, well, man, I don't understand that. I don't know. I didn't ever have to deal with that. Maybe not. Maybe your story is different, but I guarantee you have your own struggles. So yeah. when we make it pretend like we can't identify with them, then that's exactly how they'll feel. They can't identify with me. Therefore, I am not ever going to share anything, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely true. Um, it goes back to what we were talking about before we, before we started recording, um, you know, they, they can see right through it. Right. No, they, yeah. they are yeah. the, I think they are the best, uh, they're the best judge of character of, any generation I've ever seen. Right. No doubt. Yeah. So quick. And they're so like, you know, they're so agenda weary too. you know, like they're so agenda weary. They're so propaganda weary. They're so cliche weary. And so when, man, we just, when, when we kind of roll in that, you know, when we got the little cute Christian cliches that fit nice on a coffee mug, but it doesn't really translate to real life, man, they're so wore out on that. And like, they don't even want to hear that, you know, like, like, yes, hey, give them the word, give them scripture. Scripture is really the only tool we have, you know, but we can't just make it always seem like it can be wrapped up in a nice, pretty bow, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, now, Shane, I, I want to hop forward a little bit. We're going to post this article yeah. to our, our website. Um, we'll put the link in the show notes, but I, I want to hop forward to point six and seven. Um, yeah. I think those are, I think these are two really important points to, to note when it comes to uh, engaging next gen in the, this, this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah. So six and seven. Yeah. So point six was keep trusted resources, books, articles ready uh, as references for your people, you know? And, and so I know usually the first request is like, well, what are some of those? And I'm always <laughs> kind of like a little weary of yeah. like recommending any book because here's the deal is like every context is different. Uh, right. Every, church is different. Every denomination is different, you know? And so I'm always a little hesitant to like recommend something and people go, Oh man, well then that means Shane agrees with every single thing in this. And there's rarely something I find where I agree with everything. But the point I want to make is like, Hey, Hey, everybody can use Google just like I can just know there are trusted resources out there. Um, man, there are some great books and articles. Lifeway students has put out some great things. My Ben uh, friend there, Ben Trueblood, they put out some great resources for parents, for students, Uh, personally, like if I'm working with leaders, I enjoy the emotional, healthy leader. I think that's a great one. Um, man, James Emery White's book on meet generation Z. That's a great one there. I'll just say there's so many out there. Um, man, Tim, Tim Elmore is just a great resource all the way around. Um, if you don't know Tim Elmore as a student leader, you need to know Tim Elmore and his habitudes. And I mean, he addresses all things, uh, you know, next gen. And so there's just so many great things out there. Sean McDowell has put out some great things who is Josh McDowell's son. And right. so, man, I, I said, I don't recommend and here I am. recommending. <laughs> I'm just saying there's a ton, you know, um, so just have it ready, like have it ready in your ministry. That way, when people ask you or a parent ask you, you can put that in there. 
And so here's the deal. I trust you as leaders, but sometimes it, just being honest, you don't trust that parent to go find things, right. especially if they don't have that theological acumen, you know, like maybe you do as a leader. And so you don't want to just send them out searching on their own. So I'm just saying as you as the leader uh, or the leadership of your church, come to an agreement of things and resources you trust. That way, when parents come, you don't send them out on an exploration on their own. Uh, you can put those resources in their hands, things that you trust. And then, yeah, number seven, I think is extremely important. If possible, have a trusted counselor or a counseling center to which you can refer people to. So here's what I promise you is that somewhere close to you or maybe even in your church or around in the vicinity of your church is a great, solid Christian counselor, therapist that maybe, yeah, I think there are some things that we can do in our discipleship journeys or in our, um, you know, uh, you know, sanctification groups, whatever you want to call it. There are some things that we can handle as leaders and God's equipped us for that we can navigate with students, but there may become a time with a student that it gets into a realm that you're not equipped for. And I always say, Hey, know how God's wired you know what you're equipped for. And it's okay to get into an area where you go, you know what? I'm not equipped for this, but here's someone I trust who is, you know, I think sometimes the worst thing we can do is get in areas that we're not equipped for. And then we start getting advice that will really make things worse. So like, man, I think once it gets to that point where you're uncomfortable and you're starting to feel equipped, it's okay. Be honest with yourself, but have another resource, which is a counseling or a counseling center that you and your church trust, like decide that together as a leadership team that y'all can point people to or point a parent to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think what I love about that, this, this goes back to our very, very first episode that we ever did as a podcast when we we're talking about mental health of students and leaders. And um, we, that, that was one of the points we had mentioned is, is build relationships with counselors in your area, because yeah. I think it's important to not deal with something we're not equipped to handle. Right. No uh, doubt. Yeah. Especially something this serious. So yeah, when we can, when we can say, you know what, we're going to walk alongside of you while you're walking alongside of a counselor, that's, that's huge. It goes a long way. And so, yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, move, moving on point eight, bro. Like, yeah, I think probably <laughs> the most important point of all, uh, yeah. not to say the other seven aren't, but point eight, go for it. Yeah. Point eight, man. The really, that is honestly the baseline of all of this is man, yeah. preach the power of the gospel, teach the power of the gospel, share the power of the gospel. Um, so man, we know, uh, with the, with the next generation, there's this popular cliche that has really crept into the church. And so when we use it, I, I, please, I'm not making fun of or saying it's bad or anything like that. I'm just saying it's a starting point, but it's this cliche. Uh, it's okay to not be okay. You know, and that's true. Like, you know, but that's a starting point. I think a lot of times if we're not careful, we create, we can't, we can create environments that people can share and be honest and transparent and vulnerable. And we want that. And we say, Hey, it's okay to not be okay. And then what I found, and I'm sure Matt, you've seen this too, man. uh, What I found across the nation is a lot of times there's uh, man, especially college students and high school students, man, they'll get super honest like about things they're struggling with. You know, sometimes like I love the honesty of Gen Z because sometimes, man, they'll make you feel uncomfortable. You're like, some of it, you're like, hey, save for your prayer closet. You don't have to share all of your junk, you know what I mean? But they're like sharing it. But what what we've found is if we're not careful, then on some level we're confessing the same thing or sharing the same struggle week after week, month after month, year after year. And there's no victory there 
because we're saying, hey, it's just okay to not be okay. And we're stopping there when really the gospel goes past that. Like that's a good starting point. Please hear me. That's a good starting point. But the gospel goes past that when, hey, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way when there's another way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is power in the Holy Spirit. And there is something beautiful about biblical community and discipleship and sanctification. Now, that doesn't mean you'll ever be quote unquote fixed or or healed or you'll never struggle again or have moments where you fall on your face or moments of sadness and depression or anxiety. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, we should be growing in this, you know, like that it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. You know, it's kind of like the old saying like, Jesus wants you just how you are. Yeah, that's true. Jesus wants you just how you are, but he also loves you so much. He's not going to leave you that way. The power of the Holy Spirit is going to be shaping you every day to be more like Jesus. And so, you know, um, you know, there was this kind of popular term that uh, people are like, you know, we want to create safe places in our ministry, safe places in our school. And what they're meaning is safe places to be able to share. And man, yeah, that's good. But somebody, man, uh, about a year ago threw this out and man, it just opened my eyes and kind of revolutionized how I looked at this and go, you know, at the end of the day, we don't need safe places. We need brave places. And I go, brave places. What do you mean by that? And they go, uh, where we cultivate an atmosphere where people feel brave enough to share their struggles, but also they're brave enough to move past that. You know what I mean? So I love that. You know, I think that safe is like, oh, we're safe to just share, share, share. But right. there's a point where it's brave enough to share, but also brave enough to do the hard things and to take the journey and to place their faith in a God to move forward uh, yeah. in this struggle. You know, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's so good. Uh, and we, like I said, we we kind of hit on a Cliff Notes version of this, uh, right. and we'll we'll post the the full article and and post the link in the in the show notes for everyone to go find. Um, Cause man, this is a good, good resource. And like I said, I think it's super timely, uh, right now as, as, uh, COVID has kind of accelerated, uh, these mental health, um, issues with, with our students. And so, uh, Shane, like, uh, we ask all of our guests at the end of our, our podcast to share kind of three to five minutes of what the Lord is speaking to you. Uh, it could be related to what we're talking about. It could be anything at all that the Lord's speaking to you, uh, just what what has the Lord been speaking to you that can equip, empower, encourage uh, youth pastors listening? I love it, man. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Man, first of all, man, uh, man, I'm so thankful for you. This podcast it's always an honor to be on with y'all, man. What a privilege. Um, yeah, man. The way the Lord's been speaking to me, He really gave it to me, uh, man. Probably about a month into the shelter in place. When you go back to sh- that kind of shelter in place time, really kind of a month in there, the the Lord just kind of reminded me of something I'd heard several years ago that didn't resonate near as much several years ago as it did now. And it was really the difference between isolation and solitude. Um, and, and here's why I think it's so important because all of these things we're talking about of uh, pouring into the next generation, uh, emotional health, mental health, uh, we as leaders have to take care of ourselves too. Yeah. Um, because just by default, you know, uh, unhealthy leaders are often going to lead unhealthy ministries, um, right. but healthy leaders are going to be more apt to lead healthy ministries. It's just this simple equation that I, I think is true. And so we have to take care of ourselves. So isolation and separation or isolation and solitude. All right. Isolation and solitude. So I heard this about two, three years ago and I was like, Oh, that sounds good. That's, that's tweetable. Um, but then it really didn't resonate until isolation <laughs> took place. All right. But right. basically the, the idea was this, that isolation and solitude are two different things. 
So isolation is unintentional time by yourself where typically uh, sin grows uh, because meaning this, like whatever your struggle is, and we all have them, whatever your struggle is, whatever your vice is, whatever sin you're constantly having to wage war with, isolation, unintentional time by yourself is like pouring gasoline on that. It's like pouring, pouring uh, fuel to that fire, right? Um, right? Even the Proverbs say, idle hands are a tool of the devil, right? So isolation, bad, all right? Solitude, good. Solitude, how solitude's different than isolation. Isolation is just unintentional time by yourself, typically um, where gasoline is going to be poured on your struggles, all right? Yeah. Solitude is, watch this, intentional time with you and the Lord where you're in scripture, prayer, meditation, um, that's good. It's in, with intentionality. And so I think during this time where things are still like either being postponed or canceled right. or we're not near as busy as we were before or we are busy, it just looks different. I think God's given us some margin for solitude, not isolation. I think some of us, to be honest, we've wasted it by binge watching a lot of Netflix instead of using it for solitude with the Lord, you know, because if you think about it, man, that solitude with the Lord, I don't know about you, Matt. I just know this when I am walking in intimacy with the heavenly father, that man, I'm always going to be a lot more effective at leading, preaching, teaching, sharing, serving, loving when I'm doing it out of the overflow of my own worship of Jesus. So, man, I just want to encourage the listeners with that. Like, Hey, take time for yourself in solitude I mean, wouldn't it be tragic one day if, uh, man, w- when we're older, our grandkids go, hey, grandpa, tell me about what you did in 2020. And all you can really tell them is all the shows you've been watched. Wouldn't that be a waste? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what if you go, man, God, man, it was hard. But God gave some time of reset where we got to spend right. time and solitude with him. And God sent me on a different trajectory where I started leading from the overflow. Um, because, you know, those that are listening to this, that are leaders, just remember um, that before God ever gave you a platform, before God ever put your name on a website or on a business card or gave you any titles or position, he just called you to follow his son, Jesus. Um, and so do everything you do out of the overflow of that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is so good. Um, so Shane, I've been, I've been sitting on a nickname since the beginning of this. <laughs> Um, oh man, I'm ready. I hope, I hope you're ready for this. Um, so, yeah, so I think the ostrich king, <laughs> that would be, that would be a good one. No. I think, but, uh, I think, I think what you've, what you've talked about and just, um, just in general, uh, every time we've had you on the podcast, everything you say is just kind of rock solid. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you ready for this? Oh man, come on. Shane the Rock Pruitt. Oh, man. Hey, awesome, Matt. I'm gonna tell my wife that. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell her she needs to start referring to me as that. Yeah, that's not gonna go very yeah. she should <laughs> and like, hey, I, baby. I really need you to start calling me the rock. Yeah. That's right. That's right. The <laughs> yeah. rock. Uh you yeah. can change your, your you can change your Instagram, bio, Instagram, yeah, yeah. Instagram all that. You can change I, all of that to the rock. Yeah. Uh, oh man. Yeah. Dude, I wish I had those biceps. You know, his biceps are about the size of my head, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. well, you could probably like, punch yeah, out man. an ostrich at that point. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, Casey, I mean, don't you see the resemblance between me and The Rock? I'm, I'm really going to need you to start referring me to The Rock around this house. That's right. That's <laughs> I right. love it, dude. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, All right, man. Man. Well, I appreciate it, dude. You, you are the, 
the pod father, man. You are the pod father. <laughs> That's right. All right, man. Thank you uh, for joining us. Um, where can people find you on socials? Yeah, man. Yeah. Instagram, Twitter is just at Shane underscore Pruitt 78. Uh, Facebook, uh, Shane Pruitt. Um, uh, TikTok, I'm just starting to get on that. You will never see me dance on there. Let me just say that. We'll put some other videos. But uh, TikTok is just same thing at Shane underscore Pruitt 78. Uh, website shamefruit.com where you can see all that kind of stuff as well and then uh, i have a podcast just called next gen on mission so yeah man those are the areas yeah awesome yeah tiktok is where you'll find shame punching ostriches (laughs) and other man and other mammals yes yes yeah that's right right. yeah other non-mammals right (laughs) yeah Yeah. that's right tiktok is going to be filled with videos of me like misidentifying animals that's what i'm gonna or mammals me yes misidentifying mammals <laughs> That'd be me great. going around calling everything a mammal that's not a mammal yeah that's great <laughs> yeah. awesome man shane it's always an honor having you on so thank you again for joining us uh thank you guys for listening until next time have a great life <laughs> <laughs>